Be prepared. It's the 60-minute dash. I don't believe what I just saw. With your hosts, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. From Studio A at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Westbury, New York, it is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. Ladies and gentlemen, it's finally upon us. Baseball season is back. New York's favorite sport. And and we understand that the season has already started, but I was on vacation last week, so we were unable to do our preview show. So that's what's coming at you today. We're going to preview the New York Mets, the New York Yankees. We're going to give you our division winners, and we're going to give you five of our best over-unders coming into this season. But first, we're going to start with the New York Mets, Nick, as they had a nice start in Washington. They took two of three and really showed you what Brody Van Wagenen looked to do in adding depth to this team and making it more of a major league roster. Can I just say this? The saddest part about right now is the fact that there's only 159 games left. I'm just going to put it out there. I love baseball. But, yes, this was um, a good first impression from Brody Van Wagenen's New York Mets. And I think that this offseason, at least in the first series, I know there's still, again, 159 games to go, but we got a good look at Brody's you know, mindset here and what he tried to build. We saw a lot of the reserves, a lot of the guys coming off the bench and actually producing, you know, game three, despite the loss, um, you know, having a different lineup out there and they still got the job done. Keon Broxton uh, with our only two stolen bases on the year, you know, he's probably our fastest guy on the team, a team that's not known to steal bases, Ever. which is going to be a big thing that the Mets are going to need to address this year in the fact that I know I always bring up the 2015 World Series but we got beat on guys that were able to steal bases against us and we didn't do much to return that well it shows over the last couple of years Nick sorry to cut you off but it shows over the last couple of years that the teams that don't strike out the teams that get on base the teams that steal bases are the ones that win the World Series look at the Red Sox last year table setters look at the Royals in 2015 table setters the Cubs in 2016 the Astros, table setters. And you know what's the problem? I'm so glad you brought up the Cubs because the Cubs struck out a lot. But you know what the thing was about the Cubs? They had guys like Ben Zobrist to get on so that guys like Chris Bryant can hit a two-run double or guys like Anthony Rizzo can hit a three-run home run. The problem is with the Mets is that they hit a lot of home runs, but they were all solo home runs. So it's good to see guys like Wilson Ramos, who's just a pure major league hitter, just getting on base. It was good to see J.D. Davis have a couple big hits. And how about Pete Alonzo? Pete Alonzo, I mean, what else can you say about him except the fact that he is the phenom that the Mets were banking on for the past few years and a guy that they've needed to come up into the system and be a big part of a much-needed offense. And it's not just him. Across the board, you see even the lefties going the other way, which is a huge step up from what we have seen in Major League Baseball for the past couple of years with guys, you know, the big shifts that they put on them. But even Michael Conforto yesterday beat the shift on a line drive up the middle. Oh, they were going um, opposite field all Robinson weekend. Robinson Cano fights off an inside pitch to uh, get a second run in the opening day game. These are big hits that the Mets have lacked for so long and now it's the tables are starting to turn and we're seeing a different style of offense from the New York Mets that we need. Well, here's one of the things that I really 
that I really want to want to put out there. This is the preview show for the New York Mets, and right now, this is the preview that Brody Van Wagenen wanted to give you. He wanted you to see that this team has major league depth. And one thing that we need to talk about is the bullpen. I think the bullpen is one of the things that puts them over a couple of the teams in this division. And they also put depth in the bullpen, bringing in guys like Justin Wilson, bringing in a guy like Luis Avalon, bringing in guys like Edwin Diaz, bringing back Jerry's Familia, having Seth Lugo and Gazelman. And it just goes to show you, it goes along with the lineup that you have a lineup that's deep and you have a bullpen that's deep. And right now, the Mets bullpen is a little bit above average, but it goes to show that it might be the best bullpen in the National League East. And that's what puts them over a team maybe like the Nationals. You know, I, I agree with you in that regard and that they're a very high-powered bullpen. However, I have to say that I would have liked to see a little bit more out of this bullpen um, in this opening series. I know we pushed Seth Lugo a little bit too far. I know Jerry's familiar, a guy that we're going to have to bank on to be the setup man in the eighth inning. Uh, we had a big lead, and he almost gave it up, and we still got the win. But still... You know, you're right. This is a bullpen that has been revamped by Brody and one that we're going to have to keep an eye on all year because they're going to be a huge part of this Mets team, a team that, you know, is known for their pitching. The starting pitching has been the center stage for this team for how many years now? And it's coming together a little bit. We saw a little bit of struggles between Syndergaard and Wheeler, and the bullpen came in and did their part and gave the offense a chance to come back, and they almost did. Well, let's let's be real. The thing is with the New York Mets is we understand the top three starters are going to be the strong point. I mean, opening day, Jacob deGrom did what Jacob deGrom did all, all last year. When he was in trouble, he always made the big pitch, and he got out of those struggling situations. And the thing is that the Mets never had was they never had the key hit to really break through the game. And that was Brody Van Wagenen. That was one of his big things. He wanted to get guys on this team that if they were up in a big spot, you can trust them in that big spot. Like J.D. Davis driving in a couple runs. Even Juan Lagares tied the game yesterday. On a pinch hit. And he wasn't playing all day, and he got called upon to come into the game in a crucial spot. Two out. Actually, I'm sorry. There was only one out with two guys on, and he got the job done. And I like what you said with Jacob deGrom doing what he's done all season last year. And, you know, he picked up right where he left off. But this is big. This is what we needed to see out of our ace who just got paid. And for me, if I'm looking at this, it's a positive sign. But, again, we only scored two runs in that game. And well, you were also going against Max Scherzer. I mean, let's not pretend that it was just anybody out there. It was a game that you expected. Exactly. It, sure. was the, it was the game that you expected. And the thing is, this is what I was saying when they first brought in Robinson Cano. You are going to get a couple year, a couple good years out of him. Robinson Cano, he's been around the league for a little bit. You know, He knows exactly what to do in these situations. He took Max Scherzer deep. And then against the bullpen, I mean, Robinson Cano had three hits in the series against the bullpen. And going into this season, you knew that this Mets lineup was going to be it was going to have to be taken legit by other teams because Robinson Cano is a real major league hitter. You can see in his swing, he just knows. And another thing about the Mets that I want to bring up is 
Their defense this year is going to be much better. You saw it. Again, I'm going to go back to this guy, J.D. Davis. He had a sliding stop yesterday. What about Robinson Cano in the first game? Victor Robles, he run. He, I don't know what he was doing. There was a ground ball, and if you're just going to run home, the smart thing is to do, just go right on contact, just go home. But he waits for a throw to second, and Robinson Cano being heads up, just knowing what everybody's doing. That's a veteran right there. Every point Everybody's the talking about it. That's a veteran move, and probably one of the only second basemen to make that play. And it was cost to be the probably the turning point in that game. But I want to go back to Jacob DeGrom because the reason why he won the Young last year is because his ability to keep guys from scoring. And, yes. you know, he gets into trouble. He will get into trouble. It's not like he's throwing no hitters into the seventh inning every start because it's not going to happen. You know, this is Major League Baseball. But he knows what pitches he can rely on. He did not have the slider that day. He was not feeling the slider. But... It's his ability to go to his primary pitches when it really matters. He can play with his secondary pitches early in the inning, but once he gets into trouble, he goes back to that fastball, and he knows how to use it and when to use it, and he did it so well. And I just want to make this point. Let's not worry. We know DeGrom is going to be DeGrom. Don't expect a 1.71 ERA again, but you also need to understand that Syndergaard and Wheeler, they're going to be fine. Trust me, they're going to be fine. And the reason I want to I want to say this, this these three guys are going to be the focal point because I feel as if this team is going to hit. I feel that I feel more comfortable now late in games. Like if we have, if we have a three two lead late in the game, I feel comfortable watching Familia and Diaz close the door instead of it just being Familia closing the door. I think that the Mets this season, if their problem is going to is going to be. Their problem is going to be scoring runs early, maybe. But I think that the team's still going to hit. I think that they're going to be in every game that they play. Well, you know, it's baseball. You're not going to be in every game that you play. But right. I feel this team is going to be in most games. And then, and the games that they do lose are going to be by one or two runs. This team's going to be very competitive. It's not. It's a very balanced team. It's not very lopsided. It's not... It's not, oh, the bullpen is this much better than the lineup or the rotation is this much better than that. Now, I feel as if one of the only big problems that the Mets have is the back two spots of the rotation. Because, Matt, you don't know what you're going to get. And Jason Vargas. I mean, do I need, even need to go into Jason Vargas? I do mean, we even need, still need to be mentioning his name? I can't believe he's still a Met. Yes, exactly. In my eyes. And that's where I feel the Mets' weakest point is, is starting pitching depth. Because also, you got to remember, if one of these guys go down... The guy that gets the call is Corey Oswalt, and there have been rumors that Dave Island doesn't even like Corey Oswalt. So it makes you wonder that— I was not impressed in spring what I saw. With all these depth moves that the Mets made, why did they not pay attention to the starting pitching? Because I feel that that right now, as strong as the rotation is, it's also a weak point if one of these guys go down. 100%, and we saw it in multiple years past where one guy is going to wind up going down. And that's across the board in Major League Baseball. Pitchers go down. You need to have depth and guys that can come up. The Yankees, you know, they have, we'll mention early, later, where they have Luizaga and guys like that. But the Mets, they're either calling upon someone from AAA, Syracuse, or they're going to have to bring in Seth Lugo or Robert Gisellman and maybe bring up a guy like O'Rourke uh, to match up in the pen. And that's something that, you know, the Mets need to – Pay attention to, pay mind to. See, now they have bullpen arms, but the thing is, I don't think they want to move Lugo into the rotation or Gazelman into the rotation because my 
thing, if you're going to move Lugo or Gazelman into the rotation, if somebody gets hurt, you're probably going to get a call from a guy like Bashler, who we saw last year. But I don't think that they want to touch Lugo and Gazelman. And honestly, I would not touch Lugo and Gazelman. I would have went about this offseason a little different. I would have brought in maybe a guy like Dallas Keuchel. I know he's a little older and he wants a longer-term deal. But you're telling me that you couldn't find another starter to bring in here? I feel as if there were plenty of arms to go out and get. I mean, it was definitely worth at least putting in an offer. I mean, the Yankees did it with Joe Gonzalez. And look, now he's playing in the minor leagues. That's not what he wanted, but, you know, it was the only thing that he could take. I would have taken At that point. I would have picked up Gio Gonzalez in a heartbeat. You and me were saying that all offseason. Get Gio, get Gio. Because honestly, he's a perfect number five starter. It's what he is. And your depth can't hurt. I mean, if you can, if you have the possibility of getting someone, might as well go do it. It's not going to hurt the team. All right, Nick. It is time for us to make the call. The Mets over/under going into this year, according to Odd Shark, is eighty-five and a half. How are you feeling after what we talked about? Well, listen, we're still only three games in, of and course. you know our upcoming schedule is a three-game series against Miami, and then back at home to, for a home opener against Washington. Um, I think right now you got to circle these dates for uh, April 15th through 17th and April 22nd through 24th. Those are your first two series against Philadelphia, and that's going to dictate where this season's going to go, I believe. These are two very important series against Philly, who's probably the favorite to win the division right now. Um, but those are going to turn out to be the difference makers in this uh, division especially. But I see the Mets going over. I think that they... They're a much better team than last year. They won 77 games last year, and that was with, you know, a 10-game. What did they do? Three and 24 in June. Three and 25. Yeah, I, I don't, was just about to say I that. I don't think that's going to happen again. I don't, and that's the reason why they only won 77 games. I don't think they're going to have that bad of a cold spell this year like they did last year. Um, if they can stay healthy, and again, if this team does stay healthy, you got Todd Frazier coming back. You got Jed Lowry coming back, Cespedes maybe coming back. I can see the Mets at eighty-eight and seventy-four. Now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go exactly right there with you. I think that they're gonna be a team that goes over. I don't think that they're gonna struggle as bad as they did in June. And let's be honest, they had a strong finish to the season last year. You know, when, when McNeil came out, that's a guy we didn't even mention in this preview. Jeff McNeil, who was just hit in this opening series. I don't know why Jeff he McNeil wasn't in the lineup on Sunday. Pete Alonso, you're probably two MVPs for the Mets right now. So I'm going to go over. I'm going to say they win about 89 games, and they're going to be— and I'm, I'm gonna, I'll tell you where they finish up later in the show because we're going to give our division winners and wild card winners. But, you know, I think the Mets—again, Mets are a much better team. I think this is um, a great lineup that Mickey has. He has to use it wisely, though. Um, I think he's done relatively well the first three games, although they, he kept Lugo in a little bit too long. But other than that, I mean, he's using all his pieces, all his the entire arsenal, and it's what we need to see. You're listening to the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Kinetic School of Broadcasting. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit of the Yankees and their preview on the season um, after this weekend playing Baltimore, and later in our show, our MLB roundup for 2019 season. Stay tuned. 
Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see, at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut School of Broadcasting with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools. Redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained. Get connected. 1-800-TV-RADIO. The 60-Minute Dash, powered by All Noise Radio. You got more left, don't you? A whole lot. Don't I thought so. Oh, God. That warm up. We're warming up. Going 0 to 60 with intense sports talk. You're listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Nick Pellucci alongside Hunter Highwell again. We missed him last week. Um, we're going over our 2019 MLB preview, especially with the Mets and Yankees. We talked about the Mets, and um, they're a much better team than last year. Um, but now we're going to talk about the Yankees and, you know, a team that – another team that's better than they were last year and a team that might not even win 100 games like they did. Um, they have a couple of struggles here early, falling to the Baltimore Orioles two out of three at home. And another guy going down in Giancarlo Stanton. He is now on the 10-day injured list with a bicep strain, I believe it is. Yes. And – you know, that's just adding to the laundry list of injuries that they have and something that the Yankees need to keep an eye on because early in the season, they play a lot of, you know, secondary teams in Detroit, you know, like Baltimore mm-hmm. and Toronto. They're playing Detroit this week. They're playing Detroit in this series. And one thing that goes along with the Giancarlo injury, they're going to call up Clint Frazier, who had a little bit of a rough spring. I think... But you know what's the thing about him? I, you know, is he, that, gets, he gets lost in the mix, I think. Well, you know what's the thing is that I feel as if people don't give Cashman the the uh, the heat that he deserves because he traded Andrew Miller for this guy. And if you think about it, if they had Andrew Miller in 2017, they'd probably win the World Series. And Clint Frazier is yet to make any sort of an impact at the Major League level. I understand he had a concussion last year. But two years ago when he was up, he really didn't hit that well. He did not hit in spring training. And now he gets his opportunity. So if Clint Frazier really wants to make Brian Cashman look like he knew what he was doing when he traded for him, now's the time. And it's funny because it's for the guy that probably took his job in 2018. You know, without, without the Gene Carlos Stanton signing, you know, you probably saw more of Clint Frazier last year. But this outfield has so much depth. Um, at this position, you know, it's very hard to put a stamp on your name and get in there because of the plethora of outfielders that you have. You know, you have Gene Carlos you have Aaron Judge, you have Brett Gardner, the veteran, who they brought back on a one-year deal. Um, all these guys, and even Ellsbury, you know, is he even going to return this year? I think that, you know, this is a perfect time for Clint Frazier to show what his potential is and, you know, how he can help the, a much-needed Yankees team who's now lost another all-star, another superstar in this lineup. And, you know, after the first series, you know, you lost two of the first three to the Baltimore Orioles, who lost 114 games last year. And 
you lost six of the first 12 last year against them. And, you know, these are the games that you need to win if you know that you have Boston in your um, division. We talk about this all the time. How many times do we have to say it? No. This is not a time to fall back. You know, these the first games are just as important as the final games because if you lose the division by two or three games, these ga- these are the games that mattered. Well, you see, the difference was the Red Sox bullied these teams and the Yankees didn't last year. And one of the problems was with the Yankees over this weekend is I wasn't able to really watch a lot of the game Saturday, but I watched a lot of the game yesterday, seeing that it was delayed. I was able to watch a lot of it. And they had first and second, one out, Judge strikes out. They had Stanton up with first and second, he struck out. They had Luke Voigt up with the bases loaded, two out, he strikes out. This Yankee team has a lot of strikeout problems. And then they do it again in the later innings. They had the bases loaded again, and they do nothing with it. It's one of the problems that they had last year. It's the reason why they lost to the Red Sox in four games. It's the reason why they struggled. They were basically a 500 team towards the end of the season last year because they set the table. Sometimes they get a lot of people on. They get first and second. They get second and third. But they never have the big hit. And that's why people were talking about separating Stanton and Judge. But here's the, here's the thing is that you're going to get strikeouts all over this lineup. And then you, you're still throwing Greg Bird out there. Like... Can we just come to the conclusion that he's bad? He's not good at baseball. And then another problem with the Yankees, the starting pitching, the starting pitching yesterday gives up a, Jay Happ gives up a three-run home run in the first inning. Now listen. You I, can't I, have this. Well, this is the problem that the Yankees have is because they, they're they out with Severino and CeCe, and that's going to take a big time. I know they're still a very good baseball team, and it's only th- you know, this is a, a team that is supposed to be good. And, you know, there's a lot of promise in this team. It's still better than last year. I don't want to over-exaggerate on this. This is a good team. But one thing that we have to keep our eyes on and something that, you know, Yankees fans might be taking into consideration is their defensive play. You know, other than J- uh, DJ LeMay, who played a very terrific game this weekend, their defense is subpar. I'm going to break it to you. It's subpar. It's not, you know, a top 10 defensive team. It's not. I'm sorry. And Gary Sanchez, he's picking right up where he left off, and that's not on a good step. And it's what, not. He's playing awful defense. He threw into a runner yesterday. He has struggled behind the plate. And when is it going to be? I mean, I know he hit a home run. I get that. You guys are favored in the home runs. But the home run is not enough in baseball. I'm sorry. Gary Sanchez, if he bats 180 again, like what? when is your superstar going to come around? He's supposed to be another one of your superstars. I predicted him last year to hit more home runs than Stanton and Judge, and that didn't happen. So when do you draw the line on Gary Sanchez and whether or not he needs to perform better? When are you going to put the fire under him to get him going? Well, you see, because to, to me... One of the problems was with Gary Sanchez is I was always saying, oh, he could throw out runners with the best of them. But then, you, like you just said yesterday, he had a throwing error. He threw into a runner. And overall, I think that overall, I think Gary Sanchez, we need to come to the conclusion that he's not a catcher. He's just not a good defensive catcher. And he never really learned how to catch. And I think that falls on the regime. I think that falls on Cashman. I think that falls on everybody in the developmental as why he cannot 
get a grip on how to play defense as a catcher. I don't understand if he was not ready to play defense as a catcher, why was he called up and why was he trusted so much? That's just how I feel. I don't know about you, Nick, but that's how I feel. I feel like that it falls on Cashman that he called him up without, without knowing this. And I think that Cashman gets too much praise. But listen, we need to understand that this is three games. The New York Yankees are going to go out there. They're going to win their 95, 96 games. But the thing is, they need to they need to get they need to get their act together. They need to go out there. They need to beat the Tigers. They need to take two or three from the Tigers, and they need to show everybody that listen, it's okay. It was three games, and that's what they need to do. Because remember, this is baseball. Listen, baseball things happen, and the Yankees they need to get their act together. Because they they could beat teams like the Tigers. To me, they're a team that they're going to win their 95 games because they're going to bully teams. But in close games, last year, if you look at their runs, they blew teams out. But then they also had games that they lost 2-1 to one because against good teams in, in close, tight games, they were unable to get that big hit. And that's just the truth. They struggle to get the big hit. They struggle on defense. To your point, they are not a very good defensive team. Andrew Har had to work all offseason, and we still haven't really seen how te- like how battle tested he is now. He hasn't really been battle tested. Do you really think that this Yankee team is a very good defensive team? You're already playing. You're moving Glaber Torres around to positions that he's not used to playing. I mean, you're playing DJ LeMahieu everywhere. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I mean, I don't. I'm not fully invested on this defense. I mean, obviously. This is the offense or the lineup that you have to put out every day because of these injuries. But it's not promising to, I, I mean, I wouldn't be, if I'm Aaron Boone, I'm not confident that my team is going to have a hundred, a thousand percentage on fielding every day. I'm not. This is something that needs to be taken into consideration. And I think that's why they're giving Greg Bird some time at first base because we know he's a better defensive first baseman. And let's not forget, in game one, you know, the se- the talk all offseason was who's going to start at first base. And the favorite was always Luke Voigt because of how he played at the end of the year last year. And in game one, both of them hit a home run. Luke Voigt, it was a three-run homer in the first inning. In a big moment, too. And Greg Bird hit Greg a home Bird run. Greg came s- in and hit a home run himself. So, he hit I a mean, home run to save his day, though. He, w- he struck out three times. I mean, I think but, that Luke Voigt should have had this first base job and he should have just run with it. I understand. I'm not disagreeing with you, but from a Yankees standpoint and with the injuries, I think that, you know, splitting the time between them is probably what they need to do. I think Aaron Boone doesn't have a choice because of the lackluster defense, and this is going to give them their best chance of winning by playing both guys. I, I agree. I mean, it's hard to agree because. I I just think th- I don't like Greg Bird. I mean, I think he's been given. I don't t- either. I think I he's never- been given too many opportunities. I think he has give- been given too many opportunities. He's basically a golden child in the organization. I think the team needs to understand that he just doesn't have it. They need to abort mission and they need to go another way. And I understand he has a good defensive glove at first base, but is that really enough? I mean, let's be honest. The Red Sox. I understand their bullpen's not very good, but they have a destructive lineup. And I know they didn't start very well against Seattle, but they're going to be in it till the end. And a team that nobody's talking about, the Tampa Bay Rays won 90 games last year. I don't think the Yankees have any room to mess around. And listen, I understand the narrative is that the Yankees are just going to bully teams left and right, and I think they're going to bully some bad teams too. But you have to understand, there's good teams in this division. I don't understand why everybody's so sold on the Yankees. I just, I don't get it. 
I, I understand their bullpen is great, but Chad Green got roughed up. They gave up a couple runs from their bullpen this weekend. Again, I mean, it's alarming from the what we saw over the weekend, but it's still very early. I mean, we we saw a lot of. Let's not forget. I think we're not. I think we're completely overlapping the idea that, or the fact that Boston got roughed up as well. I mean, Chris Sale didn't look well. Ivaldi got rocked. You know, they're, they're both David Price. I mean. That's where the Yankees. This team is not uh, off to a good start either. I was saying that. I was saying that before the season, Nick, and you called me crazy. I said the, I said the Yankees are probably going to win the division just because I don't think the Red Sox bullpen is any good. Ryan Brazier is like their best reliever right now. They are expecting to get a lot out of a bunch of guys that we don't know. They're expecting a lot, and they're saying that we're not worried. We're not worried. I'd be worried if I was the Red Sox because one of the things about the Yankees is yes, they're going to get their runs. It's just they might not get them all the time like they should because they leave a lot of runners on base. But the Yankees will get their runs. And the things about the Yankees, that late ga- that late inning bullpen is the best in baseball. Batances, Britton, Chapman, it's the best in baseball. So the I think the Yankees, when they play the Red Sox, they might be able to do pretty well against them just because of the bullpen. Yeah, no, I I can agree with that. And, you know, again, the starting pitching for Boston hasn't looked good at all either. I mean, all four starters so far have a plus 10 ERA and have yet to pitch into the sixth inning. Nate Eovaldi was the only one to get into the fifth. And that's alarming if you're Boston. I mean, they, and they scored a lot of runs. They did. They got. They lost. Didn't they score like eight runs the other day? They scored they eight runs and they lost. And as high powered as this offense was, is and always was, we saw it all last year. They did not hit a cold spell. I think they need to start looking into that bullpen and seeing how they could fix it. Now I know we're still on the Yankees in their season preview, but this is a big. What's well, a big part of the Yankee season preview? It's 100%. a hundred percent. All right, yeah. Nick. It's time to go. Sorry to rush you a little bit, but it's time for us to give our over-under on the Yankees. The Yankee over-under going into the season is 96.5. How are you feeling? Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. They're not winning 100 games again. I'm sorry, but they, I mean... Fair enough. If with these injuries right now to start the season, um, and when you're going to have to play Houston and the Red Sox, it's going to be hard to get a solid winning streak going and to start off one and two against a bad team. Um, I don't think they're going to dominate the much like they were able to in the past. I think that they're going to actually finish under 96 and a half at 94. I mean, they're still a really good ball club and they will make the postseason, but I think they'll make the postseason at 94 wins, 68 losses. I'm going to agree with you, Nick. I just, like I said, I think that this team is very subject to criticism. I think they're a little overhyped. They're still a very talented ball club. And I think they're going to bully their way to like 94, 95 wins. But I'm going under 96 and a half. I just, I don't see them. And I don't want people to think, oh, he's picking the Red Sox to win the division. I think the Yankees are going to win the division. I think the Red Sox are going to be stuck around 90 wins. So I'm taking both teams on the under there. And I'm taking the Yankees under at 96 and a half. I'm going to say they're going to go around 95 wins. Well, as for Yankee fans, we hope to see a better turn in this series upcoming against Detroit. 
um, hopefully better pitching for sure. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we return, we're going to head over to the rest of the MLB and what we think is going to happen in the 2019 season. You know, our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours. Shouldn't we be doing something we love? Call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind the scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years. Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. Get trained. Get connected now. Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60 Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. The best time of the year, baseball is back, and we're here on the 60-Minute Dash talking to you about it. Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell, glorious spring. April 1st, it's April Fool's Day. I got something this morning that said uh, (laughs) Craig Kimbrell signed a seven-year deal with the Tokyo Giants, and I thought it was the funniest thing. I almost fell for it, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's fake, and he's still yet to be unsigned. But we got a lot of baseball to cover. And, you know, an interesting year ahead of us. We still have, a, um, I mean, some teams have already played six games, like the Seattle Mariners, Oakland Athletics, who played in Tokyo last week or the week before. But as for the rest of the league, I mean, up and down the board, we're seeing teams that, you know, are starting off very well. Christian Yelich, reigning MVP, proving why he was MVP. He's off to a great start. Four home Paul, runs. In Paul Goldschmidt. The newest member of the St. Louis Cardinals with three home runs in one day. He's off to a good start. And, you know, it's going to be a very interesting National League Central. A a division that was so competitive for so long. Probably the most competitive division in baseball the past couple of years. But, you know, uh, the Cardinals were on the short end of the stick on that division for the past couple of years. And now I think that, you know, they might even be the favorites this year. We've seen the... Cubs slowed down a little bit, and uh, I believe Milwaukee. I mean, they're a good team, but with their lackluster pitching, I think that you know that's going to be their Achilles heel this year. It seems like the, that's the Achilles heel, uh, Achilles heel for a lot of teams. Is that a lot of teams don't have the pitching? It just it seems another team worth mentioning is the San Diego Padres, who are tied for first place. I mean, with even their pitching that doesn't even have a name for themselves, it's almost like the Young Mets who... They have a lot of pitching prospects that are making their debuts this year. And let me tell you, they're, you know what's the thing? They're going to be like the Phillies last year. I feel like they're going to be in it, in it, in it. And then the last month and a half of the season, they're just going to fall apart. But it's just going to be like bright things that are on the way, on the horizon for the San Diego Padres because they got Manny Machado. Will Myers, I feel like, is going to be better in a protected lineup. I feel like they their pitching prospects are going to be quite nice for uh, Tatis. Tatis Jr. When he comes look, up, look, oh, he's starting the season already. He's already up. Oh, that's right. He looks like he's right. going to be. He looks like he's going to be nuts. But Nick, let's just get this right underway. We're talking about a couple teams. We're going to start with our over unders. 
going into this season. And these over-unders are all according to... Odd Shark. Odd Shark. And, and I, when we discussed this uh, a week ago, I thought we were going to go with based on last year's. But, you know, I'll just give you both. Um, I don't know if you want to start it off. Do you want to start it off? Do you want me to start it off? Who's starting it off right now? Uh, if you want, I'll start it off. You want to go one? You want to go? I do one. You do one. Or you want to go? Go for it. All right. So my first one is I'm gonna go with the Philadelphia Phillies at 89 and a half, and I'm going over. I'm going over because I think the Philadelphia Phillies are a dangerous team. I think that offense with Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon, Reese Hoskins, Mikhail Franco goes down the list. And do I even need to mention a guy with the name Bryce Harper? who has two home runs in his first three games as a Philly. I think that this team is dangerous. I think their offense is going to be able to carry them through. I like their rotation. Pavetta is a good pitcher. I think Jake Arrieta is going to have a good season. I believe Eikhoff is coming back this year. And they do have a guy with the name Aaron Noah. I think that the bullpen is a little subject to criticism, but I think that the starting rotation is a little underrated. And I think that that, just, that lineup is too deadly to go against. I think that they're a very well-rounded team. I'm going to take the Phillies 89.5 over. I don't know how many wins they're going to get, but I definitely believe they're getting over 90. My second team, actually, no, you go first. Uh, yeah, I thought you were going <laughs> to. My bad. Uh, you know, I didn't want to pick the obvious teams. I tried to stay away from the it's hard. National it's hard. League East. Um, I'm going to give you some surprises. And one of them in particular, a team, now, I don't know if you remember back in 2014, Sports Illustrated put on their front cover that the Houston Astros would win the 2017 World Series and that happened and that very next Sports Illustrated issue they put out the Cincinnati Reds winning the World Series in 2020 and this team is up and coming they got talent they won they only won 67 games last year um according to Odd Shark they're projected to win 79 games this year and I'm gonna take the over on this I am I think they're going to win more than 79 games because of the talent up and down this lineup. I, it's a young team. Uh, the pitching is a little mishmash, but, I mean, they got guys like Luis Castillo and who they pick up, Sonny Gray. and They have a nice bench, too. And They signed Derek Dietrich. And Tanner Roark. So, I, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, it's not the worst team in Major League Baseball, and it's a team that can win games. They did it in spring training. They looked very well, a lot of these guys, and uh, they got a nice catcher in Tucker Barnhart, um, who actually I picked up on fantasy over Jonathan Lucroy <laughs> the other day. Um, but I can see them competing. Now, I, they're in a tough division. Yes, they play Milwaukee tonight, and that's going to be a good test for them. Um, but this is a team not to sleep on. This is not a team that you could just go in. It's not like the Baltimore Orioles where you're just playing secondary. Yeah, well, you're this able is to a team you have to keep an eye on. So I think that the Reds are going to make a push for a plus 500 uh, to end the season. All right. And that leads me into my next team that I'm going to pick. The Central is a very tough division. And I like the moves that one team did, and that is the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals over-under for the season is 88 and a half. And they're showing you why they're going to go over 88 and a half. Paul Goldschmidt is just, to me, he's one of the best offensive first basemen in all of baseball. He is my favorite player in the league outside of Nolan Arenado. He's just so dynamic. He makes, he makes teams great. And he, they have a good bullpen. They have a solid pitching staff. 
Their defense is very good, and they look like the Cardinals of old. The Cardinals of old would not allow you to beat them. They, I mean, they would not beat themselves. They, you would have to beat the St. Louis Cardinals. They look like that they're prime for a big-time season. I'm taking the Cardinals at 88 and a half, and I think that they're going to win somewhere around 95 games, and I think it'll put them in a nice position to try to win the Central. I like that. I, I mean, I actually have them on my list as well, so I might as well dive into it. They won 88 games last year, and they didn't even make the playoffs. They've only uh, gotten this better. Is a, this is a team that, you know, it's the, one of the more traditional teams in baseball. They've always done things the right way, and they it's a very well-brought-about, found. Uh, I'm sorry, a organization. And they're projected to win, what, I can't even read my own handwriting. Is that 88.5? Yes. Uh, and so listen, right around the same. I think they're going to go over as well. They're going to win 90 games. And they already have guys like Matt Carpenter and Jed Jerko's coming back into the lineup. This, and th- they have pieces for this team. Now, listen, they didn't get the pitching uh, that they wanted out of their starters in the opening series. They had a four-game series against the Brewers, lost three of four. But they were all close games, to be honest with you. And the Brewers are just a really talented team. Let's not sleep on them. I, But I think, I really do believe that the Cardinals have a chance to take this division. I know we're going to talk about division winners later, but is it? it's going to be between the Cardinals and Brewers. I'm sure of it. These are the top two teams in this division right now. That leads me into my third team, and I'm going with the Cubbies. And want to know what I'm going to do with the Cubbies? I'm going to take the 88 and a half, and I'm going to go under. I do not think the Chicago Cubs are going to have a good season. Chris Bryant had an offseason. I understand that he's coming back. He's not going to be injured this year. But let me tell you something. There's something off about the Cubbies. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But their pitching is subject. I do not. Their starting rotation is eh. Their bullpen is eh. It showed you in Texas. They had a big lead and they blew it. Pedro Strope just, I don't know what happened. They just, to me... They look like they're going to struggle. And I understand they have Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Ben Zobris. You can go down the list for me. Something's off about the Cubs. And I think that the Cardinals being really good, I think the Reds being an upstart team, and I think the Brewers being very good is going to give the Cubs problems. And I think the Cubs are going to take a major step back. I understand that they may have the best manager in the division, but I don't think they have the best team in the division. I think that they're going to sit around 84, 85 wins this year and miss the playoffs. I like that, and I agree with you. I don't think that the Cubs have it all what they used to be. And, um, you know, their superstars aren't playing to the caliber that they once were. And it's going to come back to bite them. And, again, this is a tough division to play in. Um, and I think that I'm going to go into the next. Do you have to, Do you have a question? No. Oh. <laughs> You're raising your hand over there, man. Um, I'm going to strike you with a little bit of facts here, okay? The AL Central, we know as we know, is probably a joke to the Major League Baseball. It is. Yes, you it know, is. Uh, the Indians have won the past couple of years. Before that, it was the Kansas City Royals. They're not even trying to win, and the Indians are going to win the division. Um, here's where I disagree with you. Now, listen. Minnesota Twins, who added guys like Jonathan Shope, Nelson Cruz, Marwin, Marwin Gonzalez, Max Kepler, these are the guys in this lineup that are going to carry this team. They won 78 games last year. They made it to the playoffs a year prior. 
Um, they're projected to win 84 and a half games this year, and I'm going to actually go under. Hmm. But they're going to win the division. I, this is not a competitive division by any means, any stretch. And, you know, they won two out of the first three against who else but the Cleveland Indians. And I think that is going to continue throughout the year. The Indians have lost a lot. They've lost Andrew Miller. And okay. they've lost a plethora of players. Lindor is not starting the season. It's going to hurt the Indians a lot. And they're not getting the pitching that they did last year. It's not gonna have. It's not gonna be the same Indians that we've seen be competitive the past couple of years. Well, I just think that you're absolutely 100% crazy, and I think that you're gonna be. I think when we look back at well, our there, baseball recap, there's my show, bold prediction of the year. You're gonna you're gonna just be blown out of the water when the Indians win 91 games and the Twins are a bottom feeder. But okay, you you sit over there and. You hold that with you. But my fourth team, and we're going to go with an American League team, my one and only American League team that I picked, and that's the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays got a little bit better when they added Charlie Morton into the rotation. They won 90 games last year. They added Tommy Pham late in the season last year. They already have guys like Kevin Kiermeyer. I just think that they're disrespected. 84 and a half, I think, that they're, I think that's a good number for them, and I think they're going to go over. I just think that they're a little disrespected by everybody else because the way the Yankees and the Red Sox have been playing. I think the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be primed for a wild card run. I think the Tampa Bay Rays are going to win about 87, 88, 89 games. I think that they're going to be right in it till the end, and I don't understand. They won 90 games last year, and people aren't even putting them in any sort of conversation. You know what? I agree with you, and this was also my next team, a uh, team that won 90 games last year, and I think that they're going to repeat 90 games. Now, and it stinks for this team because they're not even going to sniff the playoffs at 90 wins yet again. I mean, it is a talented team, but they're just shadowed by the Yankees and the Red Sox in this division. And again, it sucks to have those two teams in the same division. You have to compete with it, but 90 games against these two juggernauts is not going to be enough. Now to start the season, you have a four game stretch against the Astros and you hold them to, Nine runs in four games. Very good. That's, for, that's a huge step up. I think for the, the Tampa Bay Rays. I think the Rays pitching staff is going to be a very big factor in their in their nice little season that they're going to have. And now my fifth and final team, Nick, is a team that a lot of people had some hopes for, but they did not have the off season that you thought that they should have. They added Josh Donaldson, but their but their pitching, their starting rotation, and Fulton Nevitz. It's just banged up, and I think that injury to Fulton Evans, they're not leading it on as well as they should. And that's the Atlanta Braves. Their number is sitting at 86.5, and, and I see them going under. I understand Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies and Ender and Ciarte and Nick Marcakis. I understand that they're very good ball players, but right now their pitching from bullpen to starting rotation is not good enough to compete in this NL East. That's going to be very competitive. It's a very competitive division, and one of these teams is going to have to be sitting out, and I think the Braves are going to be put a little bit on the back burner this year. I can agree with that, and um, for me, I have a very different fifth team right here that, I mean, I love. I mean, I'm not a fan of the team, but I love to see them succeed, and that's because they got a guy, probably the best player in our generation to ever play the game, and that's Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels. They only won 80 games last year, but this, I mean, 
how many American League teams went above 500 last year and didn't make the playoffs? I mean, you had the teams like the Mariners who didn't make the playoffs. The Oakland Athletics, who have made a wild card, didn't make the playoffs, won above 90 games. It's incredible what the American League West has, and I think that's going to be the biggest downfall for the Angels this year as they're marked at an 82.5, and, and I'm going to go with the under. Uh, we see early struggles already. Um, Shohei Otani is not going to be seen on the mound this year. That's another big hit for the team. A guy who they relied on uh, coming over last year, who guy won Rookie of the Year as a two-way player. But I can only see them winning maybe 78 games um, for the due fact that they have teams like the Mariners in their division. They have guys, teams like Houston and the Athletics. These are high-caliber teams that are going to take care of business in, uh, in Anaheim. Now, I have a bonus in the Seattle Mariners who won 89 games last year. They're only projected to win 71 and a half this year. And I think they're going to be a 90-game winner. And I think that they're going to be able to maybe make it into that wild card. I don't know. But this is a very talented team that's already 5-1. and one, And they're off to a good start. And if they could keep the, keep the wheels rolling, I mean, they're, they're going to be a tough team to beat. I agree. I agree with you. I think the Mariners are going to be a little better than people think. But let's be real. I think that they're good. 71 and a half is a low number. So it I think they might go over. Low number. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go over some division winners for this year and uh, more of our predictions for the Major League Baseball season because it is upon us finally and we are underway here in America's favorite game. All Noise Radio. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip-hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSB news and more. Plus, you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Ho, 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 ho! Santa Claus is here! Huddle up! It's the 60-Minute Dash with your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. It is Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell, here to give you all of the baseball talk because it's around the air. It's everywhere. Everywhere you go, it's all baseball. Although, I listen to the radio sometimes, and they're still talking about the Giants. I'm so tired of it. Enough football. And Nick, talk about how bad your fantasy team is. Yeah, somebody's uh, telling you to talk about how bad your fantasy <laughs> team is. I'm already is. getting blown off by my... Uh, fantasy team because it's you know it's not off to a good start and i'm a little bit disappointed i did make some key mistakes in that draft but we're not going to talk about that because we have to talk about what we think is in the foreseeable future for major league baseball i think that we got some interest i mean the american league is pretty much wrapped up I think right well, to me, the American I think, League. I mean, I think the American League. There's only one team that I'm going to shuffle out and put in, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. But I think the American League is going to be all the same for me. The NL. I have a bunch of new teams in there. I Let think me hear them. Okay, so first of all, we're going to go by division. We're going to give each of our division winners, and first we're going to talk. You and me are going to give our NL East winner, Nick. 
And I think for me, I kind of made it obvious when I was going off about them in the over-under segment, and that is the Philadelphia Phillies. Like I said, their lineup is just dangerous. I think their rotation is a little underrated, and I think that that's going to cover up some of the little bugaboos of the bullpen. I think that they have enough to maybe make a trade later in the season to add to that bullpen. But let's be honest, that that lineup is the best in the East. I mean, behind the Cardinals, they made probably the most key mo- acquisitions in the offseason. Yeah, and, and not even just Bryce Harper. Andrew McCutcheon and Gene Segura are big upgrades, and they already had Reese Hoskins, Mikel Franco, Adubo Herrera, Cesar Hernandez, and... I didn't even mention this. They got JT Realmuto, who might be the best hitting catcher in all of baseball. This lineup is deadly. And you know what? You forgot another guy in Reese Hoskins, who we I, haven't seen much yet. But I, I mean, did say him, actually. Oh, you did say him? I'm I sorry. did say I, him. I, I, it skipped over my ears. But, you know, this is just a complete team. Well, you I know, think. one of the more complete teams in the National League East. And not for nothing, Michael Franco, who bats eighth in this lineup, hit above the league average last year. We didn't see as much as what we expect from the young star who has already uh, all-star under his belt. But to bat eighth and be above the league average, that's just a deadly lineup. A, in a league where it's not known to have high averages, high team averages, um, you know, last year there was more strikeouts than hits for the first time ever recorded. And, you know, the Phillies, I think, can counter that with this offense. And let's not down their pitching because they have Aaron Nola. They have Nick Pavetta. They have David Robertson, who they picked up to close out games. It's just one of the more complete teams that we've seen. Now, I've, we mentioned before that there isn't a complete team in the National League East, but this is probably the closest thing to it. There's a bunch of well-rounded teams in the National League East. I just think that the Phillies have the best lineup to carry them through the season. They have the most. They have the best lineup to not go into a long slump. Now, but, now let's cover. Let's cover the National League Central, Nick. And I went over again with this team, and I went under with another. And that's why I think that the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be your National League Central winners. I think Paul Goldschmidt is a great player. I think Matt Carpenter, if the Cardinals had made the playoffs, was going to be the National League MVP last year. I think that they have just a, I think they have a solid lineup. I think their rotation is pretty okay, but I think that that lineup is going to be able to cover enough that the Cardinals win the division. Yeah, no, I was on the fence about this, and this is going to go right down to, you know, the end of August into September between the Cardinals and Brewers because. I mean, we already saw a preview of what this is going to be like all season. The four-game series, Brewers taking three of four, like I said uh, earlier in the show. The Brewers have a very good offense. But, I mean, aside from John Hader in that bullpen, I think who else do you turn to is the big question mark for the Brewers. And they're starting pitching. It, I don't think it's going to hold up all year. It didn't last year, and that's where they fell. Um, but you know this is a much much better Cardinals team, and there's player there's talent up and down that lineup, just like the oh, Phillies. Oh, sure. There's and t- talent everywhere. We already saw what we're gonna get from Paul Goldschmidt, Yachty the veteran. It's just probably too much to handle for this division, and I think the Cardinals are gonna take advantage of the bad teams. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it it could go either way. It's a toss up. It's a coin flip right there. Okay, National League West, Nick. And let's just be honest, I don't even think we... There's only one other team that can compete against the LA Dodgers, and it's the Colorado Rockies. I don't think that the Rockies have enough in the tank 
to take down the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are just they're the battle-tested team. They have enough to get them to the playoffs and get them through the playoffs, and they're going to be getting Kershaw back soon. I just think that there's too much there for them to handle. And I think that the Dodgers are going to win that division. I think the Rockies are going to have a little bit of a setback. The Dodgers have owned this division, okay? And we already saw in game one, they hit an MLB record eight home runs on opening day. Nothing but pure talent up and across the board. I mean, if and they got key guys that they added. A.J. Pollock, you know, he's already had a big viewing for the L.A. Dodgers. And Cody Bellinger's having a great start to his season. Uh, again, and they got Corey Seager back. So this is, I mean, the other thing is, too, Kike Hernandez playing every day at second base over Absolutely. Chris Taylor. And you have Chris Taylor on the bench. I mean, that has to say something, right? So, I mean, there's really no competition in this division. It's like another American League Central. Um, I think, the I think Ro- again, your closest team is the Rockies. But the Rockies, I mean... What is their pitching? I mean, I don't see m- much at all. No, they pitching. never have pitching. Uh, they never had pitching. They put a lot of money into that bullpen last year, and it just blew up in their face. Let's be honest. That's what happened. And they, they already lost Adam Adovino. So, I mean, at this point, at this stage in the game, it, you have to go up against the best, and that's the Dodgers. And it's not it's not looking pretty. All right, real fast, our National League wildcard teams, and we already gave a little bit of thought. My first wildcard team, and I believe this is your first wildcard team, I think we went same here. The first wildcard team is going to be the Brewers, and I think it's just because Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Mike Moustakis, Josh Hader, that rotation is subject, though. I don't like their rotation at all. Julius Chassin is still like their number one starter, <laughs> and I'm not really a fan of that. I think that that's why the Cardinals are going to win the division, but the Brewers have a good enough lineup and a good enough bullpen to get them to the first wild card spot, and then we already talked a lot about the Mets. The Mets are going to be the second wild card team, and that's just because of their depth. I think that when Jed Lowry comes back, it's going to add more to the depth. I think that there's just a lot for the Mets to look forward to this season. Their rotation, I think their bullpen is solid. They're going to have a lot of late game wins, and that that lineup just looks like it's ready to hit at all times. You know what? Again, I have the same thing. You were right. Um, And maybe it's because I'm a Mets fan. Maybe it's because I just purely think that the depth is everything in this league you know it's a 162 game season it's over the course of six seven months and it's so hard to keep guys in there for 150 plus games and when you add the depth like brody did it really adds to the strength of your team there's strength in numbers and i think that's the one advantage that the mets have over any team in the national league east and you know they're gonna win big games and i think an 88 wins is going to be enough to get that second wild card spot it's going to go down to the wire again but i think they could sniff their way into the playoffs just enough and you know they're going to be going into milwaukee and playing the brewers well, we just had a couple guys join us in the live stream danny sanchez and junior martinez what's going on guys good to have you guys in the live chat we're going to switch over to the american league and our division winners and i believe we disagree on the american league east I'm riding with the Yankees just for the sole fact that I like their bullpen a little better than the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox lineup is better, but I think in late game leads, the Red Sox showed you over the weekend why they're going to only be stuck around 91-92 wins. I think Ryan Brazier should not be a number one bullpen option. Yeah, um, I just disagree with you because of how talented... I mean, they're both talented teams. They're both talented offenses. I think that the Red Sox have an edge of being able to get 
guys in when they have guys on base. And that's the thing that we've seen this weekend where the Yankees in big clutch situations with runners in scoring position, again, they cannot get it done. And it's just a repeat of last year. And if we're getting a repeat of last year, we're seeing a repeat of the Red Sox winning that American League East. I'm sorry. And I hate to break it to you, but the Red Sox are probably the favorites to win this division. And I think that that's exactly what you're going to see. It's, I mean, I don't want to use the first series of the season to identify how the season is going to go. It's just three games. But again, these are the games that the Yankees needed to win. And they couldn't get it done. These these are the games that are most important to them. It is three games, though. And I think that I think that the I just think you're overvaluing the Red Sox right now. But we're gonna go to the AL Central. I can't be overvaluating them when they won the division last year at 108 wins. Yes, but you gotta understand the team is different. They have no bullpen. There is no such thing as a bullpen in Boston right now. Listen, they are getting scored on left and right by the Seattle Mariners. Seattle Mariners who won 89 games last year. Don't forget that. Listen, they, but they're a much different team. They basically sold off everybody. All right, we got to get through this quickly because we only have two or three minutes left. But the AL Central, Cleveland, they're my team to go. They, I just think that no team comes close to them in the AL Central. And that's the reason why they're picking them. I'm not picking them because of anything that the Indians are going to do. I just think that they're the best team in the division. It's plain and simple. Yeah, they are the favorites. And, you know, I had them written down at first, but... I think I need to go bold here, and I want to. I'm I'm gonna go with the Minnesota Twins. I think that they are going to shock the world. Like I said, they're gonna win. Uh, they're gonna play 500 ball. Um, they're off to a good start, and you know what? The Indians have lost a lot. The Twins have gotten better, and they did exactly what they need to do to compete in this division. And I think that they're gonna be rewarded for it. They're going to be rewarded because they actually made an effort to compete in this division because it's been all Cleveland the past two years. And this is the time that tables have turned, and the Twins are going to take advantage. I disagree with you 150%, but real quick, AL West, I think that we both have Houston written down, correct? You're crazy if you don't. <laughs> all right, good. I just have to make sure I don't think that this AL, I don't think that the Mariner hype or the Texas Rangers are even going to come close to anything in the AL West. I think it's going to be a pretty much a runaway for Houston. My AL wildcard teams are the Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going with the Red Sox just because their lineup is so deadly, but they have. I don't trust their bullpen. I think their rotation is going to be solid, but again, the bullpen is the big problem for me. And I'm going with the Rays because, they, listen, they won 90 games last year, and I just think they're getting plain disrespected, and I don't think the Oakland A's are going to be as good as they were last year because the A's did not have the season they did then it would have been the Tampa Bay Rays in the AL wildcard game now um I have the Yankees in here at the wildcard obviously we're mismatched uh, a little bit but I'm going with the Seattle Mariners and look at the way they've started with wow. a team that they no one thought that they had but they're getting guys to compete at D, D Gordon Hanniger Santana they got guys that can compete. There's good t players on this team, and I'm going to bank on them. Beckham, who's a, I believe is the rookie on that team, Ryan Healy at first base, is going to have a big year. Um, like I said before, in the over-unders, they're going to win 90 games, and I think it's going to be enough to sneak into that second wild card spot. It's going to go down to the wire with probably the Rays and probably the Athletics like it did last year. 
but I think this one's going to go to the Mariners on a coin flip. I do not think the Mariners are going to be in the race, but you know what's the thing that we love about baseball, Nick? There's always a team that surprises you, like last year's Oakland A's. That's what we love about baseball. The Minnesota Twins this year. And I'm telling you. You've been listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Pay attention to the Twitter, guys, as we're going to get Anthony Molina. He was a subject to a Sports Illustrated article, and he's a top baseball prospect. We're going to get him on the show within the next two weeks. Me and Nick are looking to do some interactive fun things. I think me and Nick are going to go head-to-head in a golf matchup. I think that should be pretty fun. And fun for you, you like guys. Losing. To- you really like losing, I guess. <laughs> it should be fun for you guys to pay attention to that. But like I said, you've been listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60 Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 Minute Dash. We thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.